0: Welcome to The Whole Marketer, where we look at the holistic skills, the technical skills, soft skills, leadership skills, and personal understanding that marketers today need to grow the brands and businesses of tomorrow. We're here to ensure that marketers feel supported and empowered to have successful and fulfilling careers and lives as a whole. Hello and welcome to The Whole Marketer podcast. Today's podcast is an area of soft leadership and personal understanding, it's confidence. And before I welcome today's guest, Jennifer Spur, onto the podcast, let me tell you why I believe confidence is so important. Confidence for me is the attitude, feeling, or belief that you can. For me, confidence is the catalyst for change, allowing you to have the confidence to own who you are, to step outside of your comfort zone, make a choice to take action, speak up, and much, much more. But how do you build your confidence in order to enable this change? And this is something that we'll explore on today's podcast. Today's guest is Jennifer Spur. She's a senior marketer and leadership and career coach. During the past 20 years, she has worked on some of the biggest household names in the world, including Cadbury, Philadelphia, Heinz, Radox, and Brill Cream, as well as leading high-performing teams. As a certified coach, Jennifer has worked across multiple organizations from senior directors to individual contributor level to take their growth and development to a deeper and more sustainable level, unlocking their full potential and power. She takes a holistic, evidence-based approach to coaching, focusing on the whole person. It's this approach that enables real, sustainable programs and transformation. Jennifer, welcome to the Whole Marketer Podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. So as an avid listener, you know that we always start with a big juicy question. And today's big juicy question is, what is confidence to you?
1: Mm, that is a juicy question to start us off. So confidence to me is two things. First of all, it's a skill. So it's something that can be learned. It's something that we build. We often hear people say things like, oh, you're so confident, or I don't have the confidence to do X, Y, Z. And this kind of implies it's a trait or a have or a have not, or something that only some people effortlessly possess. But that's not the case. It's a skill like any other, like learning to juggle or learning to code. We can learn how to do those things and confidence works in exactly the same way. And the other thing is it's very much an internal thing it's a belief and trust in yourself not like a belief that you're the best or that everything will always work out for you but a belief that you have the ability and the resources to cope with challenges and the ability to always accept and respect yourself in all situations so your version of confidence would probably look and feel very different to
0: mine So in summary, it is something that can be learned. So it's a skill. It's really about what confidence means to you. So my version of confidence will be different to your version of confidence.
1: Exactly. It looks and feels very different for each of us. So it's really easy to think of someone straight away who appears very confident. Like chances are we're picturing someone who's really extrovert, kind of taking Mm. chances. Maybe they're quite loud. That's not what confidence is. It might be their version of confidence, but it's much more about an internal feeling, that belief in yourself.
0: So how do we develop that internal belief in ourselves? What do we have to have in place to feel that belief and confidence level?
1: So there's three things and they're all very interrelated. So first is around curiosity, then self-compassion, and then the big one, which is courage. So if I work through kind of each of those in turn, by curiosity, I mean... Self awareness and insight. So, for example, if you have the self awareness and insight around knowing your strength, it means you can leverage them. It means you can maximize them. That's a really nice way to be able to start building your confidence. But also getting to know your doubts and your triggers so they don't get in your way. Because if you ignore your doubts, it only amplifies them further. But if you get to know them and understand them, it means you can plan and prep accordingly and get all of the right support in place. So, If you take, for example, maybe something that's probably relevant for quite a lot of marketers, getting on a stage in front of lots of people to present your brand plans, sometimes that can be hundreds of people. That's probably likely to trigger you. That probably means some self-doubt might get quite loud. And if you know this in advance, then you can prepare accordingly. You can get the support. You can kind of learn the tools and techniques that will help and ensure you can manage it. That's perhaps a very obvious example, because I think most of us would probably get a bit of self-doubt before we have to get on stage in front of 500 people. Maybe you've got a doubt or a belief that you're not good enough. It means you try harder, you work harder, you do more to try and show others and yourself that you are good enough. But what actually happens is this leads to kind of overwhelming exhaustion. You're not at your best, you're not demonstrating your best. So your confidence erodes. If you got curious about what was going on, when was it that you didn't feel good enough? Is it in certain situations? Is it around certain people? This all gives you great data so you can tackle that its root cause and start to build a belief that would work for you rather than against
0: you. Makes sense what's coming to mind is also think thing about comparisonitis and I a lot mm. of people sit there and say you know I'm often comparing myself or I don't feel as confident as or I'm not as good as and so we compare and if you flip that round and go why am I comparing myself with that individual or with those groups of people or on that certain topic you can start to identify the patterns around what it is that you deem to be important and therefore use that as as you say data to inform your understanding of. And- about potentially what it is that you want or need because you're therefore comparing that that somebody else has with what's something that you actually truly desire. Exactly and also
1: with that same example you're discounting the things that you're really good at and not seeing that that other person also has doubts and things and comparing themselves to other people.
0: Definitely. And, you know, I couldn't agree more when it comes to identifying your strengths and strengths that you enjoy as well. Because there's always things that we're good at, but we don't necessarily always enjoy them. But those things that are our strengths that we enjoy, you know, are things that we're doing when we're in our zone of genius. For me, knowing that and being confident and owning those is so important to being able to combat things like imposter syndrome or comparisonitis or whatever it may be. Because Once we become confident in what we know our strengths are, we can then worry less about what others' strengths are and know what we bring to this world. And one of my favourite quotes, in fact, it's set on my desk here, is by being yourself, you put something wonderful into the world that wasn't there before.
1: Mm, That's beautiful.
0: But you have to have, as you say, the curiosity to do the work, to understand what that is, so that you can own what you bring to the world and not concern yourself too much in what others bring to the world. And that can help sometimes, I find, negating the imposter syndrome.
1: Mm, Exactly. You're building an
0: evidence bank,
1: aren't you? all of the things that either work for you or against you. And then from that, it just gives you a much stronger foundation to build from.
0: Yeah, I love that evidence pool. So being curious, understanding your strengths and collecting that data and evidence bag. Tell us more about self-compassion. So self-compassion, this is one of my favourite things. I didn't learn it until maybe
1: five years ago, actually. It's something that we're not taught. And it's so simple. It's about treating yourself with kindness and compassion. Well, all the time but it's most important when stuff feels uncomfortable or hard or kind of sticky. It's a way of looking at your failures, doing failures in inverted commas, with kindness and understanding. So being able to view them objectively rather than judging yourself harshly or kind of getting defensive. It's essentially about being able to support yourself and feeling comfortable to be able to ask for help. If we use... The getting on stage example that I talked about before. Perhaps a more compassionate way of approaching that example would be to notice that you've got some doubts, notice that the nerves are there, and treating yourself with the same compassion that you would show a good friend or a trusted colleague. So, kind of saying to yourself, well, of course, I'm finding this hard. I'm a long way out of my comfort zone right now. I know my stuff, I'm prepped. I know my team are rooting for me. Whatever it is, whatever would be the compassionate thing that you would say to somebody else in that situation, show that same compassion to yourself. And it's really important when we're doing things, where we're building our confidence, where we're learning something new, you need to create that safe space for yourself to be able to learn the things you need to learn. Because chances are some things won't go as you hope. They won't go kind of according to plan. And that's okay as long as you, and treat yourself with compassion rather than judge yourself.
0: And I guess that interlinks back to that self-awareness and reflection when things don't go well as well. Exactly. Exactly. And the third element you mentioned was courage.
1: Tell us more. Yeah, so this is the big one, really. So I feel like curiosity points us in the right direction. Compassion helps us to feel safe enough to be brave. But courage is really what moves you into action. It's what makes stuff happen. And I often hear things like, when I feel confident, then I'll... I don't know, then I'll apply for that promotion. But if we wait to feel confident before taking action, we're going to stay pretty stuck. I had a conversation quite recently with a well-respected female leader, actually in your event. And we were in a group coaching session and someone had asked her how she is so confident. And she said, I'm not confident. I'm brave. And I think that resonates a lot with me because what we often experience in others, what we often see in others is as confident is actually just kind of courage and bravery. So it's what I mean by courage in this context is firstly about being brave enough to try. So taking that first step, no matter how small, no matter how kind of messy or imperfect the action might be, but just being brave enough to start taking action. And then being brave enough to fail as well because accepting that failure is part of the process not as an endpoint. that of seeing it as a necessary part of growth and something that may or may not happen but it's not a reflection on you and I think courage is a thing that gets you moving when you don't feel ready and it's knowing that things might not work out as you hope but taking that action anyway yeah. and I think this is a really important point where we can help those in our care as well. So our teams is being able to build a space and a culture where People can be brave where they can feel safe to try things and experiment and fail even and make that space one where they won't be judged or laughed at or penalized and kind of role modeling that compassion and courage and encouraging the reflection and curiosity. That's something that we can do to really support our teams when they're building their confidence. One of the things where I speak to lots of women about is that where they've been given the feedback that they need to be more confident They kind of haven't been given any tools or explanations about how to go about that. So if we can create those spaces where they can practice the skills that will build confidence, I think that's a really valuable thing that we can do.
0: I couldn't agree more. It's that ability to be able individually to feel the fear and do it anyways, but also for you as a leader and for others in your care or those that you work with to provide that psychological safety. In fact, it's quite poignant because I was coaching someone this morning and they quite clearly don't have psychological safety in their workplace where, you know, if they verbalise their thinking out loud or they share their thoughts, you know, they could be quite often shut down or, you know, any of those types of behaviours. And we know that growth happens outside the comfort zone, yes, but we also know that it's never a mistake and only a learning. And if you want those change cultures and you want people to feel that they can create and develop new ideas or test and learn. You have to adopt those behaviors. You have to.
1: Yes, I mean that sounds like such a tough place to work then because it's going to it's going to impact from a business point of view. There's no space for the creativity or the innovation or just trying new things and also just from a personal point of view, that's a really tough environment if you are not feeling safe that's a tough environment to work in
0: yeah and it becomes a circle doesn't it you know express ridicule not share no ideas it keeps going around Mm -hmm. because then it affects their confidence and then they're not going to speak up or be less likely Mm -hmm. to speak up because you know that our brains are designed to keep us safe. So we need to be able to have, as you say, the curiosity and self-awareness and reflection about what's happened and why we behave in a certain way in order to start to change those behaviours.
1: Yes, exactly. Because often we can feel that we don't have confidence when really we're just stretching into the unfamiliar. Like you say, our brains don't support us to do things that are outside the norm. So we start to doubt ourselves and our capabilities. So if that environment isn't there where you do feel safe enough to try that... You're not going to be able to build that confidence.
0: And on that point of building confidence, you know those three components that you talk around that build confidence, which I think are wonderful, curiosity, self-compassion and courage. For those that are listening, thinking, yes, I need to do all of those things, where would you recommend that they start? What advice would you give?
1: I think start
0: taking action.
1: It's like any habit or skill. Just start small and keep going. So if you have a goal that feels perhaps a bit big or a bit scary, start working towards it. Because as you do that, you'll start to build evidence and you'll start to be able to see yourself progressing, which in turn fuels that confidence muscle. And do it very intentionally. So document your progress, celebrate your progress, share that progress with others, and that will build your confidence.
0: I couldn't agree more. And celebrating and rewarding your brain is absolutely key. One of the things that I learned and also shared in the book is around, you know, when you do achieve a goal or a milestone on that journey towards your goal, rewarding your brain for the hard work or for stepping outside your comfort zone is really important. So it sees that when you do do that and you do try, it is rewarded. And whatever that reward may be, anything from, you know, a chocolate bar to a paddleboard, just to throw a few of my (laughs) examples out there, you know, is really important. And no the dynamics of your brain and how you can use it to your advantage also. Mm, Exactly. Exactly that. As a marketer turned coach, I'd love to hear Mm. your career highs and lows. Mm,
1: Okay. So I think starting my own business is definitely a standout moment because I built it for me. I built it around the things that make me feel fulfilled and successful. I built it around my values, around being able to do the school run and still be able to work on things that feel very purposeful to me. So that's definitely a standout moment because I feel very proud of myself for that. I think as well, also when I started working at Cadbury probably 12 years ago, working on brands that I grew up with brands that just woven into the fabric of the nation it was such a dream job I was so lit up by it the things that I got to do the people I got to work with I felt I felt so energized by it so those are probably my two standout moments from a high point of view and then Lowe's, when well, is potentially a bit more on a personal level, navigating multiple miscarriages and trying to conceive while still doing my job and leading a team, that was really tough emotionally, it was really tough physically. From a career point of view, because it was over such a long amount of time, I felt I wasn't pushing forward in the same way that I had been before, which felt quite alien. So that would probably be my lowest point. I mean, there was a lot of goods that came from that experience. I was lucky in that I was in a very supportive environment with a great boss, really supportive team, flexibility in my role. But I know lots of people aren't in that same position, so has actually informed quite a lot of what I do in my business now and how I support individuals and organisations. But as a career low, yeah, that would probably be it.
0: I suppose what I'm learning from that low, just as you've been discussing today, is that remaining curious, treating yourself with compassion during that time and that courage to keep going, even though you're failing, has given you a level of understanding that you now bring to your coaching practice? Mm,
1: Yes, absolutely. Even though that's definitely something that's come from hindsight, I don't think I would have been aware of that at the time. But yes, definitely with hindsight, I can see how that experience, it shaped me a lot in terms of what I wanted from my career and also how I wanted my career and my business to fit in with my life overall. A lot of clarity came Mm. from that time in my life.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more and also personally resonate with that. And my own journey to parenthood was struggling with fertility and trying to do both, as you say. But also, Mm -hmm. I think there is definitely a correlation between your journey to parenthood and then how you want to parent as well. Like you say, being at the school pickups, you know, same for me. So couldn't agree more.
1: I do quite a lot of work now with supporting organizations to have the right policies and support in place, because I think there's a lot that can happen at an organizational level that can inadvertently add stress at that important time. Mm. Even in simple things that like with the wording of the policies, obviously the content of the policies that can help at that time.
0: That's so powerful. And I love that you've taken your own personal experience to do good for others. Just another reason why I love you so much. <laughs> so you talked about hindsight and hindsight is a wonderful thing. What one piece of advice would you give to marketers of tomorrow? I have to pick one. Oh, you can give us two if you like, Jen.
1: I think from a functional point of view, the long and the short term balance is key. So do all of the sexy brand building stuff so you can build the long term memory structures and build that emotional connection with consumers. But don't forget about those basics. So those basics of distribution, the activations to drive the rate of sale and get consumers to pick up your brand. Both of those are necessary for success don't get too distracted with the shiny, sexy stuff. And the other thing as well, I think is don't feel like you have to know everything. And in fact, thinking that you do slows you down. So ask questions, seek different perspectives, lean on kind of functional and technical experts. That's how you get to great work. You don't need to do it all and know it all.
0: Love that piece of advice. And Just to add to that, I was listening to a webinar recently and someone talked about how important it is to stay humble. Because if you stay humble, Mm. you won't have those thoughts of I know it all. You'll be more open to listening and learning new concepts.
1: Yes, that's a nice way of putting it. I could have just said it with those two words, couldn't I?
0: (laughs) (laughs) So thank you for that advice. And thank you so much for your time on today's podcast, Jen. Of
1: course. Thank you so
0: much for having me. Thank you for tuning into the Whole Marketer Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do like, follow and share. The Whole Marketer is here to support and empower you and your teams with the latest technical skills, softer leadership skills and behaviors, and personal understanding for a successful, fulfilling marketing career and life as a whole. For support, resources, and more information on how we can help you to become a Whole Marketer and build whole marketing teams, go to www.thewholemarketer.com.